0: Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world morning we uh, we launch into a brand new series uh, called Parables. And so what we're going to do over this next little while is we're going to spend some time looking at some of the parables, some of the stories of what Jesus does. I love the parables because every parable, Jesus tells a story with a really strong point. Every time I read one of the parables, it was something that would not only just challenge me, would not just challenge you, but would challenge every single person who was there at that point in time and heard the stories of what Jesus was telling But I just want to stop and pause. We're going to get to our parable in a few moments. But 18 months ago, uh, we started looking to buy our very first home. We'd rented because we're in a different stage of life. And we're kind of going, hey, God, we weren't quite sure where you wanted us. And so we were kind of like, "Let's let's not buy in a temporary season. And so what we decided we would we would now in a place of going God we're not going anywhere unless unless I get fired or you come back and I'm praying that I don't get fired and I'm, I'm looking forward to when Jesus comes back. Uh, I'm uh, we're not going anywhere. And so you're stuck with me just like I'm stuck with you. And, and 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 so we decided it was time to buy a house. And so we started looking and we started looking and we saw a lot of signs that looked like this, although they didn't have quite the same amount of land, but they did have a house on them. You you know the for sale signs, and uh, we looked at so many for sale signs. We looked online. We did all sorts of different things. And since, uh, since we've sort of joined, we've begun this journey of trying to buy a house, one of the TV we've we've started watching a whole new uh, round of TV shows. There are those renovation TV shows, you know. There's things like uh, Fixer Upper and Masters of Flipping and, and the Block and stuff like that. And I and Shadi and I are now addicted to watching these TV shows. You know, the shows where they buy the worst house in any street and they turn it to be the best house in like the whole city. You know, we love watching them. You see, I had a grand scheme that what I wanted to do is I wanted to buy the fixer opera. So I wanted to buy the dodgiest house ever, and I wanted to turn it into the most amazing house ever. But I discovered in this renovating thing, I discovered two things about renovating. One is that you've got to have time, and second, you've got to have skills. Now, I'm completely useless in both of those categories. I'm not blessed with either of them, and I don't have the gifts in either of them. And I realized that at 40 years young, I, I, I am, I'm too old to go and be a first, you know, a, 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 what do you call them? A first year apprentice, you know, with earning a grand total of $13 an hour. I just, I'm not in that stage of life. And so we squashed that idea of trying to buy, uh, trying to renovate our first house. And so we looked and we looked And we looked at so many signs like this and we jumped online and we'd look for different houses. And the more we looked, the more we got depressed because there was nothing in our price range. And for nearly eight months, every night once once, 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 we got the kids to bed, Shadi would jump on a device and she would stroll through the realestate.com things and look for houses that could quite possibly be the house that could be ours and then she found nothing. And then one day, one day we found this house, and I remember looking at the pictures and going, "This looks amazing." I mean, why is no one, why is no one bought this house already? I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to drive past on the way to work one morning, and I'm going to go look at the house. And So I remember driving in the house. It was just justins landing, and it was it was a little bit hilly. Slash, it was kind of built on the side of Mount Everest. But you know, I thought, hey, I can overlook the hill if this could quite possibly be it. Because I'm looking at the front of the house, going, "Yes, it's on a little bit of a hill, kind of like this." But you know what? the house looks all right. And I remember looking at the photos and I, saw, I jumped on the phone to Shardy and said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna pick you all guys up after school and after work and I'm going to, we're gonna go and have a look at this house. Because I remember looking at the photos and flicking through and going, this house looks amazing. I mean, it looks spacious. It looks like it's all right. And so I remember going and opening the front door with a real estate agent, walking into the house. And have you ever noticed that that the photos that you see on uh, the, the real estates provide. Now, I don't know who takes the. And if you're a real estate agent here this morning, I'm sorry for offending you. But, you know, you know, if you've ever seen those photos online, they make everything look way bigger and way better than actually. You know, it's kind of like the little, the little sign on the back of your mirror in your car. You know, objects may look closer, you know, closer than they appear. It's kind of one of those things. And I remember walking in and thinking, this could be the house. And I remember walking in the lounge room. Now, I reckon if I did this, I reckon I could nearly touch all four walls in the lounge room. And to make it worse like every second tile in the house was like chipped chicked or cracked or something. And then I walked in the kitchen and it was like you could lift up the laminate, you could detach the laminate from the bench top and I'm like, "Yeah, this is not quite like the photos." And then the piece of resistance church, the piece of resistance was this. I walked into the bathroom and I walked into the toilet. And everything was pink. Now, can I just say this morning, you know what? I'm okay with wearing little pink watermelons on my shirt. I'm even okay sort of in being called a snag, a sensitive new age age guy. But I will draw a line in having to poop or pee in in a pink bathroom with a pink bench top and a pink kitchen Uh, kitchen, not kitchen, uh, bathroom basin. I will draw the line at that point. And I discovered why there was a little part in 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 the ad that said renovator's dream. So what I did this week is I found some other renovator's dreams. But before we flick to the picture, let me read the description on the first property. All right, you ready? All right. First property says this. Bringing the outside in Prepare to relax and unwind in in your private oasis with no neighbors to disturb your tranquility. Set in a private court location, this home boasts two to seven bedrooms with a flexible floor pan that would delight your guests. And here is the photo of your new house. (laughs) Fix her up. Ready for the second one? Commanding attention in this central living room, which has to be seen to believed, transporting you to a bygone era. This huge eight by four metre space is a prime example of the oldie world interior design, and for some of you, this is exactly what you're looking for. I love that carpet. Especially love the pink, the pink cushion, and the wallpaper. And the, and the roof in it kind of looks like the church one. All right, all right. Third one. This newly renovated two-story house has great flexibility to alter, to be altars as desired. And here is your new two-story house. Flexibility to change things around. All right, and lastly. This property also features an innovative space-saving bathroom with a self-composting toilet, you know what I'm trying to say, with a hardwood seat. All right, this is your new throne. What's not to love about that? All right, all right, all right, all right. See, I don't know about you, but I don't know what goes through your mind when you see a sign like this. For sale, heavenly, heavenly realty. And there's a beautiful picture of a beautiful piece of scenery. See, we all see a for sale sign like this. And we determine whether the house or in particular this, this picture, the land is worth the cost. You see, what we do is, what we, do is we, we look at the picture and then we think about our circumstances. And what we do is we, we look at the picture and we think, you know what? Will that suit my needs? I mean, I've got three kids and they wanna buy a dog. So has it got a backyard? Like, and has it got a good size backyard? Because I want my kids to go in the backyard instead of on devices. And, and you know what? I want them to be in the backyard, off devices, in the backyard, and they want a dog. So is there enough space for the dog? But most importantly, is there enough space for me to put my man shed? You know, the man cave. Like, I need the man cave but also Preferably somewhere for the kids to play to and for their dog, and then there's the issue going, hey, you know what? is the house appropriate and does it have the kitchen with the brand new granite bench tops? Because we all want those, and Shadi in particular wants those, and so we look and we go, does it have the granite bench top? Does it have the backyard? She's saying no, and you know, does it have an appropriate size backyard for the mansion and for the three kids and for the dog? And then we start going, you know, is the house really worth it? And then you know what, and I go, hey, you know what, the kids are probably gonna want a cubby house. So is there enough room for the cubby house? the shed, the three kids and the dog. And you know what? Maybe once upon a time, they might want to. a pool. I mean, I used to fix pools and I don't want to fix any more pools, but you know what? They might want to fix the pool. And so is there now enough space for the, for the pool and for the cubby house and for the three kids and for the dog and the massive man cave? And, like, and then we start thinking through, is what we see in the picture and is the house worth the cost that they're asking for? And so we make all these decisions up in our mind before we ever get a sign that looks like this and we're ever, ever able to put a sign that looks like this on a picture like that. When we see a for sale sign, we determine whether the house is worth the cost. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to jump into, a, into a, a, two stories, one parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, it says this, and you can watch the screens or look on your, uh, in your Bible or your device. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. And then he went for joy and went and sold all that he had and brought that Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he brought it. See, Jesus here tells us, he tells us two stories about two particular men who were absolutely committed to possessing something of incredible worth. The first story we find uh, tells us about, about a man who sells everything because he finds a treasure hidden in a field. Now we kind of look at it, we kind of read that and we go, "That makes no sense, to me. Why is there treasures in field? And why does that work? You see, back in Bible times, there was no such thing as the Nab Bank or Commonwealth or any other bank. There was, they had no banks then. The only way that they could keep their treasure safe from thieves and from invading armies was to, to bury their treasures somewhere on the block of land. That they own. And that was a great idea until you died and you didn't actually get a chance to tell anyone. And now all of your wealth and all of your treasures is stuck in a hole somewhere on your block of land. And so what it was is it wasn't uncommon for people to go and purchase a block of land and in their, in their, uh, in their, 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 their tilling of the land and everything else, they would find some wealth from someone who had passed away. In fact, in January this year, 2019, a pair of British hunt, treasure hunters, Adam Staples and Lisa Gray, discovered a huge treasure of Roman coins in a field in southwest England. Using a metal detector, they were one day just kind of looking for random bits and pieces. They located a pot, and inside the pot was 2,571 Roman coins. Its value, 5.1 million pounds. That's not a bad treasure. I don't know your standards, but that, I'd love to find that one. We're gonna, anyone else going to go after church? We're going to go mining in some random fields with metal detectors. And then the second story we read in this, in this passage it is about a man who, who is looking for a valuable pearl. And so what he's done is he's, he's scoured all the different markets and all the different pearl places and everything else to try and find this, and he finds this spectacular pearl. And again, we kind of go, you know what, my grandma's got a chain of pearls and they look lovely, but are are they really that significant? Are they really that valuable? But back in Bible times, pearls were more valuable than gold. And so what would happen is that this was one of the most valuable pieces of jewelry that you could find. In fact, Cleopatra in 1843 uh, heard of a new pearl market that was opening in Britain. And after a lot of persistence on her behalf, history records that Emperor Claudius invaded Britain primarily because of Claudia heard about this new pearl market that was happening. Pearls were a very uh, expensive resource. And into this, we find Jesus making this statement. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And in my mind, it's kind of that moment where he grabs the mic, he drops the mic, and just kind of walks off with a sense of, yeah, that's what it is, walks off. And all the disciples are standing there going, huh? And you know what? That makes me feel better. Because a lot of you are sitting here, because I was sitting there going, huh? I mean, that's I don't understand what you're talking about, Jesus. You see, the reality is, is sometimes we can look at that and go, God, what are you trying, Jesus, what are you saying? What is the kingdom, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, John Piper explains it like this. Since God's purpose for the world is to save people for himself and renew the world for that people, his kingly rule implies a saving and redeeming activity on their behalf. This is why the kingdom in the New Testament is called the good News." See, this is the big idea of this parable. This is the one thing, the one thing that Jesus wanted the disciples and those that were hearing and understand what He was talking about. And what he was trying to get across to them is, is this big idea: that the joy of knowing Him is far greater than the cost of following. The joy of knowing him is far greater than any cost of following him. One of the things that we want to do is, if you're anything like me, I feel like at times I'm like a goldfish. People just tell me their name and I forget. And so you're a lot like me. I can read that and go, that's, really empower- that's a really powerful statement. And then we kind of go, now what was it again? So what we're going to do is you can actually jump online onto the Gateway website, and you can actually download that, that quote or that, 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 yeah, that little quote onto the screensaver on your device or laptop or whatever else. Every single week, we're going to have different ones just to, so that during the week, we can actually, we can see that visually on a device or on a our, on our computer and be reminded that the joy of knowing him is worth far greater than the cost of following him. See, what I'm saying here is that your commitment to Jesus must be greater than your commitment to anything else in the world. I say that and you go, yeah, that sounds great. And then we go, oh, that's a little bit challenging. We go, oh, I was excited until I kind of realized what you were really saying. And we're challenged and we're conflicted. See, because it's easier said than done, isn't it? It's easy to say that and go, yeah, that's awesome. and go, amen, and clap, and, and then go, oh, I don't really like, I'm not quite so excited when the cost comes. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you possess that overwhelming hunger to possess Jesus? Do you have that, do you know where that hunger comes from? Do you you know what what makes people like you and me fully committed followers of Jesus? Because you know what? The reality is to do that means that it's going to cost. It's going to cost us something. You know, it's going to cost us something to to buy a property just like this. You know, we can look at it and go, you know what? I want that. And it's funny how when it comes to wanting things like that, the price is not always the issue. I want to be honest with you this morning. Is it okay to be honest? Good, because I was going to tell you anyway. I prefer if you wasn't. Okay, I'll just lie. All right. Uh, I want to be honest with you this morning. Sometimes I even wonder whether I know what, it's, what, it, know what it means to follow Jesus. Would what I what know what it means to, to pay the price, the cost that he calls us to? See, I and I say that because I feel like at times I I, I want myself to to give my all to Jesus, but but then I end up giving him only part of it. You see, in the busyness of the the, the the things that are happening, the emails that are coming through, and the deadlines at work, and this and that, and the kids want this from me, and Shadi wants that from me, and, and there's all of these different things that are going on and keep you anyway. Uh, and and so and there's all of these things that are going on in my mind, and in the midst of it, at times. I'm not able to give my all to God. You see, too often at times, my passion is half-hearted instead of whole-hearted. See, at times I feel like I'm double-minded when i be single-minded. At times I feel like I want to tell Jesus that I want to stay close to Him, and yet I find myself drifting away from Him. Now, I know that none of you have any of those kind of thoughts or any of those kind of experiences, but I reckon that maybe there's just one of us that are just like me at times. But where does devotion for Jesus come from? What, is it, what does it look like for us, for us to walk deeper in our walk with Him, more consistent in our walk with Him? What does it look like for us to, to walk with God? What does it look like to have a life that's transformed and is... is what is... An unt- what is a transformed and uncommitted life—something that's totally committed to Jesus—look like fully committed disciple. What, is, what does it look like when we when we turn our half-hearted believers into whole-hearted followers of Christ? See, in these parables, Jesus highlights a couple of things—a couple of things that are really simple and yet so significant. It's in these parables, Jesus begins with one man who discovers a treasure in a field and there's another man who discovers a pearl of great worth. And the principle here is so simple that I don't want to say it, yet it's so simple and yet it's so profound. Commitment to Christ begins when we discover him. This is one thing that the parables tell us. The one thing that the parables tell us teach us about how people meet Jesus. You see, the first parable is about a guy who's looking in the field, he's just doing his day job and, and he's kind of digging a hole for his boss and he finds this great treasure. You know, he's a guy who stumbles upon this, tre- upon this treasure. He's just minding his own business. He ain't looking for the treasure. He doesn't even know the treasure's there. And he happens to find this treasure by accident. And then there's another guy who's, who spent his life searching and looking for this valuable pearl. And it, this, this businessman goes to every single pearl market that he can find, every rumor of someone who's found a pearl in search of this perfect pearl which he ultimately finds. See, isn't that the way with Jesus? See, for some of us here, we never were looking for Jesus. We were just doing our normal day job, and we're just living our normal life. In fact, probably for some of us like me, I wasn't even looking for Jesus. I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't care less. I was like, that might be good for you, but I don't really need him. And so I was just doing my job, and my day in, my day out, and then all of a sudden it was like, wham, bam. And the good news of Jesus unexpectedly broke into my life, and my life's been changed forever. See, the reality is for some of us, you weren't looking for God, but God was looking for you. But then you know what? There's another group of people. You're kind of like the, the merchant looking for the pearl. You know, on the other hand, there's, there's this group of people who you weren't, you've kind of, from the very beginning, you know, maybe you, can even, you can't even remember a time before this where you've always been looking for something. You knew that there was more to this, and you've been looking for something spiritual. You know, you've been in this place where you've gone through every philosophy, every book, and you looked at every single religion known to man, and you've looked at them all in a desire and a searching for something more. You've been looking and hungry for spiritual things, and then one day someone told you about a God and his son Jesus, and you discovered that that God isn't about a religion. He's all about a relationship. You discovered that it's not about works, but it's about this thing called grace. You discovered that, that it's actually about us having a personal relationship with Jesus and that we can have a personal relationship with him. And you realized at that moment that your search was over, and that you finally found, as you two song says, you found what you were looking for. See, some of us here go, you know what? I was simply the guy who wasn't looking, but God was looking for you. And then some of us here are going, you know, I have been looking forever, and I found what I was looking for. See. We all discover Jesus in different ways. But the point is that absolute commitment to Jesus can't happen unless we discover him. And if you've not discovered him in a few moments, we're going to give you an opportunity. Because you can't possess a treasure that you haven't found. But finding treasure is only the first stop. It's only the first step. See, it's not enough just to discover Jesus, but commitment requires us to recognize his great worth. See, verse 46, Jesus tells us about this this merchant who goes looking and searching to discover, to find this, this pearl of great worth. And and when he finds it, he recognizes the, the, the value and the worth, the incredible worth in this one pearl. And so he sells everything else just to find, just to buy this one pearl. I wonder how many other people looks at that same pearl. I wonder how many other people kind of just looking through, sieving through the big, long, big, the big box full of pearls, kind of looked at that one and went, yep, Next. How many different people looked at that same pill? I said before, one of our favorite TV shows is Fixer Opera. Chip and Joanna Gaines, who are a Christian couple who have started this uh, TV show when they, they buy the worst house and they turn it into the best house. And, 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 I, and, I, and I've often wondered as I've watched this uh, TV show, you know, as I've watched them kind of see these ratty old houses, and they've got a gift of being able to see the worst house and not be able to see the worst of it, but see the potential of it. And I, and I often wonder, while well, I'm sitting on my couch, uh, you know, I often wonder how many other people looked at that exact same house but didn't buy it. And I wonder if all of all those people that saw that exact same house and didn't buy it and are sitting on the couch just like me watching Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I wonder how many of those exact same people that didn't buy the same house who were sitting on their couch just like me and now sitting there going, I'm spewing that I didn't buy that house. And I'm, scared. I'm gutted that I didn't actually see the potential in it and do what they could do it. Yeah? I wonder how many of those people are actually watching that show thinking that. You see, similarly, I wonder... How many people see Jesus and don't recognize his great worth? See, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, you know, they saw Jesus. In fact, they saw him like with skin on, like just there, like we can touch him. And they still missed him. I want to ask you a question. Do you see Jesus? Do you see the incredible value of Him? Do you see the infinite worth of Christ? Do you see what He can do in your life and therefore can do through your life? You see, what happens is this. When we discover the value of Jesus and the value of what He's done for us and and how He can change your life from the inside out, when we see him, it's only then that we realize the joy of knowing him is far greater than the cost of following him. Let me jump back to verse 44. It says this, once again, the ki- uh, sorry, that was verse 47. Verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, He hit it again, and then in his what? Joy, went and sold all he had and brought that field. See, what I find interesting is when it comes to purchasing a house, the price tag does place something in it. But you know what plays a bigger part in purchasing a house? Our heart. It's so easy to get way too carried away with a heart and, and not recognize the cost, and not realize the cost. And, and, and here, I don't want to ask you a question. You know, how is it possible for someone to give up everything that they've got with laughter and joy? I mean, if I said to you, you know, after church, you know, you're driving home and, and your spouse looks at you and says, hey, you know what, babe, I love you and we're giving it all away. And you go, what are you talking about? Yep, the house is gone and the car's gone and the big screen TV's gone and all the clothes is gone and the stuff is gone. We're giving the cat away and you probably go, that's awesome, and, and, but we're not giving the dog away, you know. And, and, so, and we, so we get excited, you know, would, how would you go if you know, it's all gone? Like, we're giving the whole lot away. Everything we own, we're giving it away. Would you be full of joy? Of course you would. <laughs> hey? Yeah, yeah, listen, hear me out. You're darn right you would be excited about giving it away if you knew that what you're about to receive was far great, was of far greater worth than what you gave up. Yeah? Wouldn't you then be a little bit excited about giving it all away? Wouldn't you at that point go, you know what? Yeah, and the dog's going too. And both cats and everything else we've got. And you know what? And I'm going to find some other stuff that we can give away. We're giving the neighbor stuff away. No, we're not going to give that. Uh, because if we knew that what we're about to give up was of worth, sorry, what, if you knew that what you're about to receive was of far greater value than what you were to give up. So we've got to listen to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that the kingdom of heaven isn't about losing stuff. It's not about getting ripped off. It's not about what we give and it's not about coming up short. You see, what happens is when we gain the kingdom of heaven, it is the best deal you will ever make. It is an absolute steal of a deal. See, when we, what that looks like is that when we gain the kingdom of heaven, we trade hell for heaven. We trade death for life. We trade temporary trinkets for eternal treasures. We, treasure, we, we trade bondage for freedom. We trade shame for joy. We trade rejection for acceptance. And we trade fear and emptiness for a love that never disappoints. Amen. Just, just think about your relationships right now. Imagine having that. Imagine having a love that never let you down. This reckless love that, that God offers you and he offers me. See, that is the kingdom of heaven that is on offer. That is the best deal of the century that you or I can ever get yet yeah? It's the treasure, the kingdom of heaven, the infinite treasure that God offers. It's the kingdom of of heaven that is a pearl of great price. It's the infinite treasure. And the only way that that we recognize is, is this full commitment of Jesus is with total and other commitment and realization of the value of Jesus. And it's in that way that we truly realize that the joy of knowing him is far greater than the cost of following him. But back to our house. Back to a house. See, we looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and we looked some more and then we looked online and then we looked a lot more and everything else. And, and Shadi spent like, Shadi spent like for eight months after we got the kids to bed, we'd spend like two hours every night trolling through all the different websites to try and find a house that could possibly be ours. And then I remember one day, we just launched this campus and, and I remember Shadi and I and the kids were driving down the street to the strawberry farm and on the way back from the strawberry farm, we, we passed a new estate and went, oh, look at that and I thought, you know, those, you know those random thoughts above my head, let's go and have a look. You know, we went, hey, we've got about an hour's, you know, kind of where we got nothing on, and pretty sure they might have a park there. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna stop in, kids can play in the park, and we're just gonna go hit some giggles. We're gonna kinda of come in and have a look and see what might be there. And I remember walking into the display home and, and we we're met by a lady and she said, Oh, hi, um, what are you looking for? And we sort of said, Oh, look, this is what we'd love to kind of have in a house. And we've been looking and we can't really find much. And she stopped and she looked at me and said, Hey, you know what? It's kind of really strange. But just yesterday, we released a house that kind of actually fits probably a whole lot of those different things. Now, it was only yesterday, and we actually haven't done anything about it. Just we got the okay from the builder, so you can sell it now. And you're kind of like the first ones to kind of walk in here. I went, oh, that's kind of cool. She went, oh, you want to have a look? I mean, it's not finished, but it's partly finished. Oh, okay, let's go and have a look. And I remember walking into the house and Shani and I and the kids there and, and we looked at each other and we went, God, maybe this is the place that you've got for us. And I remember, remember the day when we're able to get a soul sign just like this and we're able to stick it on a sign just like this. And I remember the moment when we're able to go, you know what? It's this is ours. Because I was able to put a sticker like this on it. But you know what I discovered through the process of buying a house? I discovered that the value of a house is only determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. See, one farmer who was a one farmer's helper was willing to sell everything he had to buy a block of land so he could dig out the treasure that he happened to know that was buried in that block of land. One merchant was willing to go and sell everything, like lots of different things, to purchase one. One pearl. And God was willing. God was willing to send and be separated from His one and only Son he was willing to send him from heaven down to earth to live a perfect life, a life where all he did was to serve and love other people. And he never seen, he never did anything wrong. And then there was one person, Jesus with skin on, a God with skin on named Jesus was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to sell his life, to exchange his life. His perfection for my imperfection. He's perfect life for my sins. You see, what I discovered through selling a house is, is not just that the value of house is determined by how much someone is willing to pay for it, but the value of a life is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And the price tag that was set on your life was everything. The price tag that was set for you was the perfect life of the Son of God. And Jesus wants to speak to you this morning and says, you know what, I've got a sold sign ready and prepared with a little Velcro sticky thing on the back of it. And and what I want to do this morning is I want to do this to your life. I want to stick sold to you. I want to stick and I want you to understand the value that I see in you. I want you to understand that this is the value that I place on you. And it's when, when we realise the value that God places on us. It's when we truly realise the value of Him. See, for me, it's when I realised that devotion, devotion to Jesus for me, when I realised that the price that He paid for me was the moment when I have become fully devoted to Him. See, I don't know what you're hanging on to today. I don't know what you think is worth more than the kingdom of heaven. I don't know whether it's, you know, maybe for some of you it's money or for some of you it might be control or, or maybe for some of you it's your past or maybe it's, maybe it's your pet sin that you just kind of can't shake and you can't rattle. And you just can't imagine life without it See, whatever it is, I want to tell you that nothing is worth what he is worth. Not even close. That when we discover Jesus, when we recognize his worth, when we recognize the price that he has paid. then God puts a sign on our lives. Do you see the treasure that He is to you? Isn't it time for real joy in your life? Isn't it time to abandon it all? To be like these two guys, the, the farmer or the farmer's helper and the merchant and sell it all and risk it all? as someone who sold it all and risked it all for you. See, the joy of knowing Him is far greater than the cost of following Him. This morning, what is it that's got in the way? What is it that's become more important than the kingdom of heaven? What's more important than Jesus? What is it that we need to Maybe we need to sell or maybe we need to shift. Maybe we need to tweak in our lives. But also maybe this morning, you've never had Jesus put a sold sign on your life saying, this one's mine. This one's one's reserved. It's mine. It is. I've already bought it. The price was ridiculously high. that decision you need to make this morning church what is it needs to be tweaked what does it need to be altered what is it that needs to be sold maybe it's your life or maybe it's something else we're going to have a team that are going to come forward and we do want to pray with you because you know what? we understand that for each one of us sometimes we need someone to physically stand with us to help us in those moments where we need courage when we need someone to stand with us and go, you know what, I'm wrestling with this. And I go, you know what, I'm going to pray with you for a breakthrough in that. I'm going to pray with you to courage to stop that or to start that or whatever it might be. And we're going to pray, we have got to team and, and we be down here and maybe you just need to say, hey, you know what, I need one of those soul stickers. <laughs> I need one of these. I need, I need to begin this journey with Jesus. this morning we would love to pray with you and we would love to celebrate with you. This this morning what we're going to do is we're going to sing the song Reckless Love. What I want us to do this morning, so the team comes up, what I want us to do is that we're going to sing this song but read the words. You see, if you're anything like me, it's easy to go autopilot. So with the the, 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 the words come up on the, on the screen behind us, the team does their thing and we go, uh-huh and we know the words and we just sing them without engaging our brain. What I want us to do this morning is that I want you to read every one of those words as you say it. See, what we've got to understand is the words that come out of our, wealth, our, our mouth in worship, God takes seriously. And what I want us to do this morning is to, to realize the gravity again of God's reckless love for you and then what I want us to do is out of response I want us to declare and I want us to come into a place of worship I want to say God you know what thank you for your reckless love this reckless crazy love that it's not about what I deserve (laughs) or maybe it is see I don't deserve any of that and yet you give it anyway so come on let's jump to our feet this morning Let's chant through our feet and we're going to sing Reckless Love. This morning we got a team that are going to be down the front and we'd love to pray with you. What's your next steps? What is it you need to sell? What is it you need to walk away from? What is it that you need to walk to Jesus this morning to come and get your soul sticker? We hope you've been blessed by this message from Gateway Baptist Church. We're a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.